Well, hey folks, Jeff Salzman here and welcome to The Daily Evolver. Today, I would like to riff a little bit in real time on this Iran situation that was precipitated on Friday with a drone assassination of uh, top general Soleimani and uh, was responded to last night by Iran with a, a missile attack on a base, American base in Iraq. That uh, seems to be a fairly modest response, no Americans dead. Um, so here we are, it's Wednesday, January 8th, and undoubtedly things will continue to unfold, but this is a moment in time. And I, I wanted to consider all of this because this is really the first real war and peace issue that we're dealing with regarding Trump, uh, aside from his uh, you know, chaotic withdrawals and criticisms around that sort of thing. There have been no acts of overt military aggression until now. And so let's take a look at that. I still think that one of the best descriptions of the difference in mindset between people who reflexively like Trump and people who reflexively loathe Trump is that people who like him take him seriously, but not literally. And people who don't like him take him literally, but not seriously. And I'm in the second camp. Uh, I struggle to take Donald Trump seriously. And it's a, you know, causes a lot of problems in uh, assessing his policy. And I, I recognize as an integral practitioner that this is my green Jeff, my postmodern Jeff. It's where my heart is most of the time. And green Jeff, you know, like my green friends, have a physical and subtle body revulsion, a contraction when, you know, we see or hear Trump that for me started with birtherism, that outrageous libel against my hero, Barack Obama, that he wasn't born in, in the United States and therefore was not qualified to be president. And, you know, in this seriously, literally thing, how can I take seriously the guy who launches his political career with birtherism? And I remember Bill Maher explaining at the time that birtherism worked for Republicans and Trump, at least a certain strata of Republicans, because, as he put it, they start with, I hate Obama and work from there. And I love that. I remember it made great sense to me, not least because it supports the idea of worldviews being the primary determinant of our behavior. It's like how we see the world, how we process the world determines what we come up with. And it all makes perfect sense to us. And it's different. Each worldview is, you know, actually radically different. Um, and I also realized uh, quite approvingly at the time that I did the opposite regarding Obama, that I started with, I love Obama and worked from there. So I justified his policies. I knew I was doing it. Um, I didn't always think them through, but I even had a, a segment on the podcast at the time called Obama Apologia, where I just sort of defended him reflexively. 
And, and it's because I resonated with him. I remember I got thrills when I read his biography. I explained it to myself, I still do, that Obama's got a, a you know, discernible integral sensibility. You know, that flexibility of mind, that natural multi-perspectivalism, a deep friendliness to reality that I myself am striving to develop. And so I resonated with that. And it's the same kind of natural affinity I feel now for Mayor Pete. And to a degree, Andrew Yang and Cory Booker. But for me, Mayor Pete is, you know, he's got... The integral juju. Uh, and, you know, so these worldviews, we just naturally resonate with people who think the way we do and see the world the way we do. And so I noticed that. This is my integral practice. Now I notice it. I see it instead of be it. Yeah, I try to aerate it a little bit. And so I can then see more of what's going on. And I see that there's my orange Jeff, my modern Jeff who pretty much regarding Trump vibes with my modern friends and family who, you know, they're smart people, they're sophisticated people. They too have a revulsion against Trump's obvious character flaws. I just wish he'd stop tweeting is what my uncle Blaine says. And, you know, they don't like it. But they like the left even less, these modernists who think that the left is too extreme in its campaign against capitalism, uh, traditional culture, and that it needs to be countered. And, um, you know, regarding the election, you know, I have a friend who's teetering towards Trump, who, you know, shocks me. Uh, but as she explained it to me, it's hard to beat peace and prosperity. And, you know, I don't know if that changed as a Friday in terms of the peace part. But that is, you know, indeed uh, going to be a tough road to hoe for uh, Democrats if peace is really what we still have after this. And would Trump start a war for political purposes? And is he indeed distracting from the impeachment with this whole adventure towards, towards Soleimani? And, um, and I, of course, don't put that past him. I am particularly chilled when I read this series of tweets that he put out in October of 2012, in, in the final days of the campaign, Obama was running against Romney, where he wrote, well, one of them is, our president will start a war with Iran because he has absolutely no ability to negotiate. He's weak and he's ineffective. So the only way he figures he's going to get reelected, and as sure as you're sitting there, is to start a war with Iran. He is desperate. Be careful, Republicans. He will start a war in order to get elected. So when Donald Trump accuses somebody of something, I worry, you know, I'm with Ted Cruz here. Trump's powers of psychological projection are breathtaking. So that scares me. The only thing that is, you know, Trump holds more dear than his America first policy is his Trump first policy. So 
That's why I can never support this guy. I don't care. I can't uh, support somebody that has what I consider to be a malignant personality disorder. So that's the I'm not so sure part. Then I'm reassured by his speech today where he talked not a whiff about regime, regime change in Iran. In fact, he wished the leaders of Iran a great future. As he put it, one that you deserve, one of prosperity at home in harmony with the nations of the world. The United States is ready to embrace peace with all who seek it. And, um, you know, so that is somewhat reassuring. And this could just be one tit for tat. And, um, and if that's the case, then there's some part of me that is actually gratified. And maybe it's my traditional self, because, you know, the more I disown these earlier selves, the more sort of fuzzy they are. Uh, and, I, you know, the integral project is to find the, the gold in all of these previous levels, right down to the animal nature, truly, uh, and reintegrate it into, you know, this new, bigger human that is part of the sacred world to come. But at any rate, so my traditional self is there, and I, and I want to notice traditional Jeff and notice that he's glad that we have a big daddy who is defending us. And as Trump said in his speech today, he says the civilized world has to get together and um, resist the uh, adventures of Iran in the Middle East and all of the turmoil that they're causing. And that traditional self, I know when I, re- I remember talking to my traditional relatives, particularly back in the Obama days when, you know, it was clear. I mean, they were quite obvious about how they hated Obama. And I was like, really? I mean, how would, could you possibly hate this Obama? He's nice, you know. And um, my one friend told me, it made, made it clear to me that she was actually afraid of Obama, not of what he would do. Uh, although there are plenty who thought that too, but of what he wouldn't do, that he was too nice. You don't want the, the, you know, in a dangerous world of good and evil, you don't want uh, to be defended by somebody who's too nice. And so, you know, I, um, I, I want to recognize that, but I also want to recognize the ugly side of the traditional mindset regarding conflict. And the ugliness of traditional wars, you know, this is one of the things that I don't think my modern and postmodern friends understand who talk about, you know, America being embroiled in endless wars, uh, starting with Vietnam and Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, 20 plus years now. And, you know, it's just it's 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 uh, evidence of our warlike nature. And it's actually evidence of our more developed nature that can't stomach their brutality, particularly towards civilians that traditionalists accept as unfortunate, but mostly gratifying. Because in a traditional war, it's us or you. And the traditionalists in America are also confused. It's like, why can't we win a war? How can we be defeated by Vietnam? We just d- beat Germany twice, World War I and World War II in Japan. And we can't beat Japan, Vietnam or Afghanistan or Iraq? What's up with that? 
and the traditionalists to this day think you you know it's like Ann Coulter said we go in and bomb them back to the Stone Age, and Trump added to that of course, and we keep the oil. And again, only since World War II have the victors invested in the reconstruction of the defeated party, and the reason is it's not necessarily altruistic; it sort of is, but it's also because we saw the results of World War One where Germany continued to be humiliated and sort of left behind. And it's just not in your interest to do that. You want to bring people into modernity. That's one of the things that is new on the planet. It's a more civilized way of fighting a war. So, you know, I'm working with that and looking at that. And again, the, the integral project is to find the part that is beautiful. You know, that beautiful part of being a patriot and of loving your people, and of seeing the karmas of history, and realizing that you're a particular part of that, and not wanting to over-homogenize and blenderize that. And that's beautiful. That's a beautiful gift to traditionalism. But, um, you know, the triumphalism, the, um, the basic understanding or, or belief, which is something that all traditional people have, that the world would be better off if my people, my God, my culture bestrode it, then we would have a better world. And that is, you know, that's a part we want to leave behind. So there's my traditional self, as I'm best understanding it and sort of sorting it out. And then there's also my red self. And when I look at what, you know, at least so far with this thing with Suleimani and Trump, I think, well, if you're going to do it, that's how you do it. You go in and take out the head. It's like good old mafia tactics. Don't waste your soldiers if you can just go in and blow up the kingpin. And that really resonates with Trump. That's Trump's got, you know, I've made many, the case many times, and this is more evidence, you know, that Trump chose of all of the options that the general gave him, he chose the one that was personal. For Trump, it's personal. For Red, it's personal. Now, of course, the dirty little secret is that it's personal for all of us. You know, we all have that red part of us that just says, yeah, fuck you, buddy. And, um, and, and even like the, ma the masters of war, let, let the masters of war be in the crosshairs for a change. Enough with, you know, uh, sinking a ship with a bunch of poor, innocent sailors. Uh, let's uh, let's get the kingpins. And I'm sure that gave a little shudder to Kim Jong-un and other bad actors around the world. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, now, of course, the other part of that red uh, sensibility is, it's like Trump said, you go in and you bust up the cultural sites, wipe, wipe them out. And, um, you know, there's the revulsion again. You know, this is a bit appropriate. You know, we want to bring all of these into integral, these, these, these sensibilities into integral and a new integration of all these first tier memes. But this is the part we want to leave behind. Um, you know, in, in red warfare, which is, of course, the warrior stage of development, which is 95% of human history, that's what you did. You, you not only went in and, 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 one, you went in and and blew them away and broke their spirits and uh, tore down their churches and 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 you know the 
walk around the Vatican and contemplate how many golden calves of previous uh, conquered kingdoms were melted down to make the, you know, the beauty of the Vatican. This is the story of human history. Uh, the, 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 I'm forgetting the, his name, but the heroic Nazi commander in Paris who refused and delayed the destruction of Paris, which is what um, Hitler wanted, because that's what you do. And you know, how many cultural sites did we take into account in Nagasaki and Hiroshima? So, you know, this is nothing new, but it's interesting that, you know, Trump would, you know, put that on the table, that we would take, off their, take out their cultural sites. And it's also interesting that the military from SB, the, the uh, Secretary of Defense, said, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not going to take out the cultural sites. And so, you know, this is a Trump world. It's, I don't know quite what to make of it. All right, so I also wanted to share a letter I got from one of my listeners in Tehran that I received this morning, and I thought he made some good points. And uh, just let me use this as an opportunity to say, I love hearing from listeners, all, particularly all over the world in these hotspots and to hear the different perspectives. So please write me, jeff at dailyevolver.com, or you can go to my website, dailyevolver.com, where all of my stuff is. I think there's over 200 podcasts on there at this point. And um, there's a, a section called Connect. It's a tab on top, and you can leave me a voicemail there. You can also email me a voicemail if you want. So let me um, share a couple things that my friend in Tehran wrote this morning. He said there's two, two main points he wanted to make. Number one, contrary to the majority of opinions in the U.S., General Qasem Soleimani, peace to his soul, was not a bad person. This is just a shallow image that the American media and American politicians have made up. And I just want to uh, quickly comment that this is just the, the, the nature of things. And this is the multi-perspectivalness in you know, real time again, that the warrior has two faces. To the one who he's fighting for, he's a hero, he loves his grandchildren, he pets the dog, he's a good man. Uh, and to the enemy, he is a monster. And um, you know, we have our heroes too. Uh, like um, Abraham Lincoln, who prosecuted a war that killed 2% of the adult population of the United States at the time. He's on Mount Rushmore. And I understand there are still some Southerners who haven't forgiven him. Uh, but, you know, it's just the nature of it. I just point that out. So number two, most importantly, he writes, beyond the politics of it and looking at it from, quote, levels of consciousness, there are two societies at war here that come from two different levels of development. And he's talking about the U.S. and Iran. He said, I do not need to note here the levels of consciousness in the U.S. However, Iran comes from a mostly traditional level with red elements in power. What is complex is that most of the modern and the little postmodern levels that we do have in Iran are actually what I'd call pseudo-modern 
and pseudo-postmodern. As Raman Yahan Beglu, an Iranian social scientist, has said, we have imported modern instruments, but not the modern mind. The pseudo-levels phenomenon means that the person or society is not really at the seeming level and is actually coming from a lower level of consciousness. Well, our traditional level is no more genuine either. In Iran, I assert, we are mainly in the midst of a pseudo-traditional slash pseudo-modern level of development. It's not an authentic collective level of consciousness. Materially, most Iranians are in the modern materialistic fold. However, spirit-wise, most of us defy what Western capitalist, over-consumerist, technological ways of being. And repeat, although we enjoy the consumption of these material goods. With an ideological regime in power, it puts us at odds with the current American red to orange mentality. Thank you for this letter. There's a lot there. And I think one of the things that I would say about it when you talk about pseudo levels of like pseudo modernity, because, you know, it's modern in certain ways and pre-modern in other ways. This is the way of things. This is the way of the uh, speed of evolution that we're experiencing in uh, the world. And you talk about it not being genuine modernity, not being authentic, even traditionalism. And that is, I think, explained by not only the levels, but the lines of development. And to put it just really bluntly, just using the left and the right-hand quadrants, using the aqua maps, that countries can be in the modern stage in the exteriors. That is, they can do modern medicine, they can do modern weaponry, more importantly, but still have pre-modern hearts. And that is a, a sour spot in human history. That's a dangerous spot in human history. It's one of the big challenges to the world that the majority of the people on the planet are pre-modern at heart. And yet they're all being, you know, completely inundated by modern culture, postmodern culture, modern technology, postmodern culture. And these countries are being stretched. And so are we in the United States. Uh, you know, we have these green uh, postmodern social justice warriors, if you will, who are actually doing wonderful work in terms of gender fluidity and all of this stuff. You know, they have the problems with it. But, you know, that's stretching us. And then the traditionalists are, wait a minute, slow down. And, um, you know, that is the current mess of humanity. We have been in a mess since day one. Uh, I would argue that this is a better category of mess uh, because it's including less and less real violence and real hot wars. And that development is the answer, you know, is that we actually want to keep things at the, below a boiling point as best we can in these developing countries. And a lot of countries are dealing with this to suppress violence that is just natural to traditional people. And it's actually for red people, it's fun. 
And um, and of course, the it's the also the solution to the ecological crisis that has reached worldwide proportions, because you have to be world centric before that matters more than the fact that you want what you want. And so we want to just keep the lid on as best we can, as we continue to muddle forward in the calamity of human history. So. I think I'll stop there. Thank you for listening. Again, write me, jeff at dailyevolver.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this or anything. And uh, we'll see you next time on The Daily Evolver. Bye, folks. <laughs>